Thank you for listening to the River's Edge Church podcast. We believe God has a place for you to belong, people to be in community with, and a purpose for you to fulfill. Now let's listen to today's message. You know, it's funny, I love that Josh brought out this morning that uh, it's a little peculiar being in an empty building. And uh, as he said those words, it struck me. You know, across America today, across the world, there are churches that are empty everywhere. But you know where else is empty? The tomb. And because the tomb is empty, our hearts are full. Our lives are full. What a great thing. The church may be empty, but the tomb's empty too. And because of that emptiness, our hearts are full. Uh, I don't know about you, but I love Easter. I love uh, Resurrection Sunday. You know, I was thinking this morning back to when I was a little kid and the Easter egg hunts that we would have and... And, uh, you know, just being in church as a family and all the joys that, that just came, seemed like we always came together on Easter and just such fond memories of Easter. And, and I hope you all are having a great Easter uh, wherever you're at. And, uh, you know, I hope you're using technology to stay connected to your families. And, and we want to let you know that we love you and we just want to wish you happy Easter before we get into the word this morning. You know, this morning you can open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 16 if you've got those with you. And uh, Mark 16, you don't have an excuse not to have it with you because you were probably at home today. And so you have no excuse not to have your Bible with you. But uh, Mark 16, verses 1 through 7, I'm reading out of the Passion Translation this morning. And it says this, it says, On the first day of the week, as the Sabbath was ending, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jacob and Salome, made their way to the tomb. It was very early in the morning as the first streaks of light were beginning to be seen in the sky. They had purchased aromatic embalming spices so that they might anoint his, Jesus' body. And they had been asking one another, who can roll away the heavy stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? But when they arrived to the tomb, they discovered that the very large stone that had sealed the tomb was already rolled away. And as they stepped into the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right, dressed in a long white robe. The the women were startled and amazed, but the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I know that you are here looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen victoriously. Look, see the place where they laid him. Run and tell his disciples, even Peter, that he is risen. He has gone ahead of you into Galilee, and you will see him there just like he told you. Ah, don't you love the resurrection story? You know, the, the story, the, the scripture that tells us that Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. I love it. And I particularly love this particular piece of scripture here in Mark because of the nuances that it draws out. But before we drive into that, let's, let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning. We thank you this morning for the empty tomb. We thank you for the victory that Jesus had over death, hell, and the grave. We thank you that the resurrection life that lived in him can live in us. And Father, we just praise you this morning. We thank you for that very first Easter, that very first resurrection Sunday. And Father, I pray that each of us would know that power, that faithfulness of that day in our lives today 
In Jesus' name, amen. You know, when, when I was a kid, uh, I had personally the best grandparents on the planet. Now, I know you might think you had the best grandparents in the world, and I just have to tell you, you didn't. Mine were the best. Um, I had amazing grandparents, and uh, they really did mean the world to me. In fact, my grandma was so great. When I was little, I had an obsession with trains. And uh, growing up in the small town that I did, we could hear the trains coming from miles away. And I can remember uh, as, a, as a small boy being at my, my grandma and grandpa's house, and I would hear the trains, and I would go to my grandma and say, Grandma, the trains are coming, the trains are coming. And she would stop what she was doing. She'd be in the middle of dinner. She would stop what she was doing. She would put me in the car. We would drive down to the train depot in good old Weezer, Idaho, and we would sit there in the car and we would watch the train go by. She was the best. In fact, I used to, I used to when I was uh, a little, I would, I would purposely miss the bus. And uh, I would walk across town to my grandma and grandpa's house because I knew my grandma would have Pop-Tarts. And so I would, I would purposely miss the bus, walk across town, go to my grandma and grandpa's, get those Pop-Tarts, and then uh, I would almost always open up my lunchbox and, and take a look inside. And, and if I was missing something, if I was missing a piece of fruit or my favorite Cheetos, my grandma would get those for me and put them in my lunch for me. And then I would walk the, the block and a half or so to, to school from their house. They were truly the best. And I'll never forget that when, uh, when I was in high school, having a conversation with my grandmother, and she looked at me and she said, promise me you will never smoke. And I looked at her and said, Grandma, I will never smoke. And in that moment, it was my heart's intent to keep that promise. But I graduated from high school. I, I went on to college. And, and like a lot of young people do as they leave home, they, they have to try out the things of the world. And I did. And unfortunately, I picked up smoking it and it became a habit. And uh, I'll never forget the day that that I heard that my grandma had passed. Because in that moment, what I was reminded of was that promise that I made. That promise that I had told her and given her. And in that moment, all the shame and the guilt of the fact that I broke that promise, it just came heavy upon my heart. I'll tell you, it wasn't much longer, really just a few days, I was driving in my car, and I grabbed that pack of cigarettes, and I threw them out the window to never smoke again. I figured, you know what, if I couldn't, if I couldn't do good on the promise, I could start. But you know what, that didn't, that didn't take away the fact that I couldn't, I couldn't go back and change the words that I said. I couldn't go back and, and fix the promise that, that I broke. I was stuck with it. I was stuck with the pain. I was stuck with the shame of, of giving my word and, and not keeping it. I'm so glad that was a long time ago. But you know, I love this particular account of the resurrection of Jesus because Peter's in it. And Peter knows this kind of pain. He, he understands the pain of disappointing someone that he loved so much. 
The pain of saying that you'll do one thing and then actually doing another. The, the, the shame of knowing that you gave Jesus your word or someone you loved your word only to break it. Let's take a look at that. Let's take a look at the time that, that Peter gave Jesus his word. You know, in Mark 14, it, we, we see the story of, of the Passover meal that Jesus shared with his disciples. They had all come together to partake the meal together. And at the end of the meal, Jesus tells them that tonight, you're all going to fall away from me. You're all going to desert me. And in that moment, Peter, being bold and brash like he was, tells Jesus that, Jesus, even if I have to die with you, I will die with you. I will not forsake you. And Jesus tells him, Peter, I'm telling you, tonight, that's not going to be the case. You will deny me tonight. In fact, tonight you will deny me three times. Before the rooster crows twice, you will have denied me three times. And in that moment, Peter once again looked at him and said, no, Jesus, I will never deny you. And then in Mark 14, 66, it says this, this is meanwhile, Peter was sitting in the courtyard when a girl, a servant of the high priest, came near to the fire. See, at this point, Jesus has been arrested and all the disciples have scattered. And, and Peter decided, I'm going to follow him. And, and he followed Jesus. And now he's outside the court where they've arrested Jesus and he's warming himself by the fire. And this servant girl comes near the fire. And when she saw Peter there warming himself, she said to him, I recognize you. You were with that Nazarene, Jesus. But Peter denied it, saying, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. And then he went out to the gateway of the courtyard, and the rooster crowed. When the servant girl noticed him, she said to the, to the other bystanders, I know this man was one of his followers. And once again, Peter denied it. A short time later, the bystanders said to him, You must be one of them. You're a Galilean like he is, for your accent proves it. Peter, in his weakest moment, <laughs> Peter cursed and said, I tell you, I do not know this man that you're talking about. And at that moment, Peter spoke those words. The sound of a rooster crowing pierced the night for the second time. And Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken to him earlier. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. At the end of this verse, it says this. It says, with a shattered heart, Peter broke down and sobbed with bitter tears. See, Peter, as much as he loved Jesus and as passionate as he was about being true to his word and to Jesus, when it came down to it, he wasn't. He denied Jesus. And in that moment of breaking his word, his commitment to his friend, to his Savior that he loved, he felt that bitterness. And he cried those tears. I know for me, I will... I will never forget the day that I heard 
of my grandmother's passing and the bitterness I taste because I knew that I hadn't held true to my word. But you know, I also know the, the tears. I also know the bitterness of giving Jesus my word. The saying, Jesus, I'll be faithful to you. You wait and see, Jesus. This time, I'm going to keep my promise to you. I, I know what it's like to say, Jesus, I'm going to be the best Bible reader and studier on the planet. I'm going to be the most faithful in my prayer life of, of anybody you've ever known. I know the bitterness of telling Jesus, you know what, Jesus? I am never going to do that again. And maybe you know that too. If we're honest, I think we'd all have to admit there have been times when we've made Jesus a promise. And we said, Jesus, this time, this is the last time, I will never do it again. Jesus, I will be faithful, only to be unfaithful, to break the promise. Have you ever felt that pain? The pain of disappointing someone that you love? The pain of letting someone you love down. The shame that, that comes with hurting someone that you care so deeply about. Maybe your, your spouse or one of your children or a relative. Maybe disappointing your parents. You know, maybe even you know, disappointing your boss. Making commitments that we end up not keeping. I don't know about you, I don't like that pain. I don't like the pain of knowing that I made a commitment that I didn't keep. And I'm pretty sure Peter knew that pain. I think Peter and I could probably sit and have a long talk about knowing what that pain feels like. But you know, the disappointment of, and the pain of, of hurting someone that we love making a commitment and, and not being true to it. I don't think it's anything like the, the pain of making a commitment to God and then breaking it. The disappointment and the shame that, that seems to come with that, it's, it's the hardest to bear. That pain of saying, I'll never do it again, Jesus, only to do it again, it's the worst. And I think on Resurrection Sunday, that that was the pain and the feeling that Peter was having. The denial. Gosh, what he must have felt. I thought about it yesterday. You know, he makes the commitment to Jesus. I will not deny you, Jesus. I will, I will go even to death with you. And then Jesus is beaten, he's crucified, and he dies on what we call Good Friday. And then on that Saturday morning, Peter woke up. What would he, what would he feel? What must have he felt? The, the guilt and the shame of saying, I'm going to be so faithful. Jesus, I'm going to be so faithful, only to not be guilt that he must have been carrying that day. The pain that must have coursed through him.
I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine what that was like. You know, maybe, maybe Easter, maybe celebrating the resurrection, maybe going to church reminds you of the places that you've fallen short, the, the places that you failed, the commitments you've made and you, you haven't been true to. Maybe the thought of it brings some pain. Well, the good news of this particular piece of scripture, these verses in, in Mark 16, is that, you know what? There's one who understands that pain. There's one who understands that pain of a, a broken promise. And, and I think that out of all the disciples, it's because of that pain, that, that shame, that disappointment in, in the way he behaved. I think it's because of that that the angel says, go tell the disciples and even Peter. I mean, the angel doesn't say, Go tell Jesus' mom and dad. The angel doesn't say, you know, go tell John. It doesn't even say go tell the Marys. Or Salome, who happens to show up at the tomb. He says, go tell the disciples and even Peter. Why would the angel do that? Because you know what? The angel was a messenger of Jesus himself. And Jesus wanted Peter to know. It's going to be okay, Peter. It's going to be okay, Peter. I know you feel like you have let me down. I know that you're in pain and you're in agony and you're disappointed. But I want you to know, Peter, that I love you. And all is forgiven. I mean, can you imagine the moment that he hears from the Marys in Siloam? Peter, the angel told us to come to tell the disciples, but, but the angel said, even tell Peter. Be sure you tell Peter. Peter must have had his head hung and, and thought, ha, ha, what? Jesus, how, me? How can that be? Peter must have had all sorts of inner turmoil that, no, 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 you must, you must have heard wrong. Surely the Lord isn't worried about me. I, I forsook him when I said I wouldn't. I know that if I'd have been Peter, that's how I'd felt. I know that there's been times in my life when I've sensed God's love for me, when I've really blown it. I felt, how can it be that he loves me? And I think that's where Peter was. How could the Lord mention my name? How could, be, how could he be concerned about me over everyone else after the mistakes and the failures that I've made? But nonetheless, the Lord called out to Peter. Despite his mistakes, his failures, his denial. Jesus called out to him. 
Jesus wanted Peter to know. Peter, it's enough. It's enough. The, the beating yourself up, the, the shame that you're carrying, it's enough. Because I am the answer for all of it. Yes, I was crucified. Yes, I died. But I am very much alive. Peter, it's going to be okay. Peter, it is all forgiven. Peter, I love you. And this morning, I can boldly tell you that you know what? It's time to step away from the guilt and the shame. It's time to set those things that you've been carrying of the mistakes and the disappointments. Because just like Jesus called out to Peter, I believe that this morning he's calling out to you. And do you know what he's saying on this Resurrection Sunday, on this Easter Sunday, all these thousands of years later? He's saying to you, I love you, and it's all forgiven. It's all forgiven. You know, the Bible doesn't record the first encounter that Peter had with Jesus after the resurrection. And in my mind's eye, I, I just have to imagine what that must have been like. Jesus shows up to the disciples. Peter's probably off in the corner, still so disappointed with himself. Every once in a while, maybe stealing a, a glance at, at Jesus, not sure he wants to be noticed. And I can see Jesus spying Peter, just waiting for the moment that their eyes would connect. So he keeps glancing at, at Peter as he's talking to the disciples, glancing at Peter. And finally, their eyes lock. And in that moment, I can just see Jesus looking at Peter and going, I forgive you. Reaching out his arms, beckoning him over to give him a hug, to embrace him. See, we don't get to see this account in the scriptures. But you know what we do see? We do see an account later in the book of John where the disciples had all gone fishing and Jesus appears on the shore. And Peter's response to Jesus tells me that that encounter that I just described to you, I believe it gives us a perspective that that, that happened. Because Jesus is on the shore and he calls out to the disciples in the boat. And the moment that Peter realizes that it's Jesus, he doesn't hide in shame. He doesn't act out of guilt. No, it says he, he, he throws himself into the water of the lake and swims to Jesus. He wanted to be the first one there. Why? Because Jesus had reached out and loved him. And Peter knew all was forgiven. And so he swam boldly to his Savior. I love that the Bible tells us that 
in time of need, we are to come boldly to the throne of grace. And you know, you can only come boldly to the throne of grace when you have a relationship with Jesus, a relationship that has been restored by him. And I believe that this morning that, you know what? You might be feeling like Peter. You feel inadequate. You don't feel worthy. But I believe this morning you can sense it, can you? You can sense that, that Jesus is he's reaching out towards you. He's trying to make that connection with you. He's motioning for you. And I want to tell you that that all you have to do is respond to that. If you sense that in your heart this morning that he's calling out to do to you, all you have to do is respond to that. Just as Peter had to respond to Jesus saying, I love you, I forgive you. We can do the same thing. We can respond. We can respond to that this morning. And so what I'd like to do this morning on this Resurrection Sunday is I would like to pray with you. If that's you and you've been carrying the burden of guilt and shame, I want you to know we can deal with it today. That's the promise of the resurrection. That all is forgiven and new life can be yours. So if that's you this morning and and you sense Jesus reaching out to you, I'm going to ask you to pray with us. And I'm going to say a prayer, and and as I say that prayer, I'm just going to ask you, if you're like, yes, that's me, just agree with that prayer. Jesus, I thank you for the promise of Easter Sunday. I thank you that this is the day that, that we celebrate you conquering death, hell, and the grave, the day that we celebrate you dealing with everything that could separate us. And Jesus, this morning, I sense you calling out to me like you did to Peter. And I ask you for your forgiveness. And as I ask for your forgiveness, I release, I release all that guilt and that shame that I've been carrying. And Jesus, I am so thankful. I'm so thankful for the love that you have for me. And so I invite you right now in this moment into my life. Because I realize, Jesus, just how much I need you. Jesus, it's in your mighty, incredible name that I pray. Amen. This morning, if you prayed that prayer with us, you said, yes, pastor, I agree with that. We have prayer partners that are online right now in this moment. And I would ask that you would just give us the honor of allowing us to pray with you. Even after this service is over this morning, 
there'll be prayer partners available. So just because this service ends doesn't mean there's not people there to pray with you. We'd also ask you to let us know by clicking the button that they'll post on the screen in just a moment that you prayed that prayer because we want to send you a gift just to help you get started in, in following Jesus. And we also want to just continue to pray for you. We're so excited about your decision. You know, the great thing about Easter is, is Easter is all, it's all about new beginnings. And so as you make a new beginning today, we want to celebrate with you. So we would appreciate if you would connect with us. But we want you to know, all of us here at, at River's Edge Church, we, we want you to, to know that we hope you have an incredible Easter. That even though this Easter is not one that is what we might call normal, it is still an incredible day. And we hope that you know the love of your friends and your family. And Janet and I hope that you know how much we love you and how much we pray for you. We're praying for you every single day in this crazy season that we're in. If you need anything, please let us know. We may be separated in distance, but we are a church family still. We love you. Happy Easter. We'll see you. If you would like more information about River's Edge Church, please visit our website at visitriversedge.com or you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Thank you for listening.